Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a bird, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. Get a fresh new start MJ Network will bring you there So let's talk about it When life and on the air Good morning everyone, this is Fran Lewis This is MJ Network MJ, a memory of my sister Marcia Joyce Who started me off on this road And I am so excited to welcome PJ Peterson, the author of Pickle, Pink, and Paris. And if you haven't read it, I don't know what you're waiting for because this is really cool. So good morning and welcome to MJ Network. I'm so glad you're here. Well, thank you so very much. Yes, this this book is interesting, but I have to ask this question. How did you come up with that title? Well, I knew I wanted to have something that had a P in it because it's in Paris. And <laughs> <laughs> it was just playing around with words, and Tickled Pink came to mind. I thought, well, Tickled Pink in Paris, what does that mean? So then I started thinking Pickled Pink. I thought, okay, do they make pink pickles? So I actually looked up online and found out, well, they actually do make a pink pickle. It's a Mediterranean delicacy, turnips that are marinated with beet juice. Mm. So I thought, Pickled Pink. Then I had to put something in the story that made sense with the title. So the story kind of came from the title. That is amazing. I have enough problems trying to figure out how to how to try to, to come up with a title. Period. And then I have the trouble to figure out how to get the. I write scary stuff, so actually I have to you know figure out with my next my next one how to make the main character really evil, which is a lot of fun. Mm. So. Ooh. Yeah, it is. I write from the point of view of the dead person behind the gravestone. This guy's really evil. That's what I really love about him. <laughs> and I'll have to just make him more evil. I did, a, I did a panel show with four authors yesterday that deal with that, and Vincent Zandri came on because I asked him to, and he's the king of, of evil. So he, they taught me a lot. So tell us about Ooh. Julia and how you created her. And if, well, it's after you, an internist, right? I am. And Julia was was born. Julie was born on a trip coming home from St. Martin many years ago. And I was just writing about my vacation, which had started out wrong from the very first day. And the next thing I know, I'm, I'm writing a book. It was like, well, mm. you want to be a book. And then Julia Fairchild is basically a younger version of myself. But she's smarter and she's prettier and she's more adventurous than I really am. But, you know, she just became a person. And the name, I don't remember how I came up with the name. I've always liked the name Julia, and the Fairchild just came out of nowhere. I don't know anybody named Fairchild. But I just named her that. That's amazing. And since, and since then, she's, I do like to travel myself. So all of the mm. books I've written have been based on somewhere that I have been, because it's easier for me mm. to write about something where I've already been except for Paris. I planned to go to Paris, and I scheduled a Viking River trip in April of 2020, and the pandemic mm. 
I rescheduled it for September, and we still had that pandemic. I scheduled for April 2021, and that got canceled. So I thought, well, I'm going to write the book anyway. So I wrote the book anyway and then had to go back and retrace my steps in Paris. I went everywhere that Julia Fairchild went, except I did not go into the catacombs. I just didn't do that part. All I know is fun. that I haven't been anywhere until yesterday for the first time in two and a half years I actually saw my cousin. And the only reason I saw her is because no one else was there but her, and her husband wasn't feeling well, so we were sitting and talking, and we're both boosted, vaccinated and everything, and checked out. Mm-hmm. And before, before I go anywhere, I get tested, even though I don't need to be. When I come back, I get tested again, because you know what? Yes. You never know. But, no, she's no, fine, and she's going back to Florida, and she's happy that she's not going to freeze anymore. But I haven't seen anybody. I haven't <laughs> seen my brother and my family at all. Because half of the people are not vaccinated. So what can you do? So how did she meet Josh, and why did he invite her to Paris? And I won't tell you what I think about that him yet. Well, she originally met Josh in Monte Carlo. And Josh is actually based on a person I met many years ago in Monte Carlo, although not in the mm. same situation. And uh, she was just uh, at the casino and... Um, Actually, she was at a medical conference, and mm. she dropped some things, and he was there helping her, and the next thing you know, they're chatting, and they go to the casino, and there's a little mystery involved. And if you go to my website, there's mm. a free book you can download, and oh, it just nice. tells a story about how they met. And then um, he wanted to see her again, and he's an international business type of guy, lives in Washington, D.C., and Julia lives on the West Coast. So he said, well, I have to go to Paris for business. Uh, why don't you join me there? Because she's never been there. So that's how she got invited to go to Paris. And that's, she jumped at amazing. it. Yeah, well, you come up with these things, and I can't. Um, what can I say? I try. So how does she meet Roger and Pierre and, El- Roger, Pierre and Elaine? And what do they have to do? And how are they connected to Josh? Well, they're Josh's business partners that have different mm. roles. Pierre actually is a guy who's in uh, France that they are negotiating. Roger and Josh are business partners. They are both are based in Washington, D.C. They are in Paris to try to put this together, this deal involving some sophisticated software that museums and banks and places like that use to secure their businesses and their there, I mean, all the stuff that goes on. And so they're trying to get something going with Pierre, who has some other connections, which is why all those guys are together. So why does she bring her sister, which is a good thing? Well, because she knows that um, uh, Josh is going to be doing business meetings during the daytime. And Josh uh, said, well, why don't you bring your sister to keep you company, because I'm going to be tied up all day long. And it's just more fun to do things when you have somebody to do them with. And so instead of wandering around Paris all by herself, mm. she invites her little sister. And indeed, I have a real little sister. Her name, real name is Carlene. In my mm. book, she's Carly. And we do enjoy doing things together. So it was just easy to write her in. Well, my niece is Carly. She's a hot oh, number. Really? Yeah, she's going to be 21. 
she oh trust me, she's oh, she's like her and she's got a hot number but she's also we're hoping she's got a new song that's gonna drop in January. And let's hope this Ooh. one goes a little bit better than yeah, it's called Where You At <laughs> by Carly Tappen. And uh, she's an experience, let me tell you, Carly. <laughs> but um this is this is one of strange because Josh what does he what does he have to do with Roger and what soft deal software deal was in play? Well, the software is this sophisticated system that had failed in um, a museum in Amsterdam. So the company that developed that has now improved it, and so Roger and Josh are trying to work with Pierre and his friends Mm. to put this system into their other big businesses. So one of them's got a jewelry business, for example, and they want to have their building secure, their jewelry cases secure, their internet system secure. So that's why they're all doing this. And then Roger and Josh, Roger is the guy who knows these people. Josh is the legal end of all this sort of stuff. So why did they decide to go to the Court of Blue and how did they meet Francesca? And I got hungry just listening, reading the stuff I can't eat. <laughs> I mean, it's like everything was so delicious, and I'm going, this is not fair. So what did they learn to make? I mean, I can't believe somebody like that would teach them how to do something, but, you know, who is she, and why was she so nice to them? Well, so Carly had to sweet-talk her husband into letting her go to Paris without him. Mm-hmm. So she promised to learn how to make some things at the Cordon Bleu. So they mm-hmm. signed up for some classes. And they had to work with the Cordon Bleu schedule. So while they were there, the time that they had free, that happened to be the chocolate course. So they did that. And Francesca was the American-speaking or the English-speaking assistant at Cordon Bleu, because that's all in French. Mm. And, and uh, Julia and Carly don't actually speak French, unless you call it you know, minimal French. Carly, none. So Francesca was a person assigned to the American-speaking students, and there were four students. That's where Becca Mm. and Kate were also from America. They're from Cape Cod. And so the four of them had Francesca as their teacher. Well, they decided to do something special, and Josh thought it was right. So why does Francesca decide to bring mushrooms? And that's quite a serious problem. I don't eat mushrooms, though. After that, forget it. (laughs) <laughs> well, it wasn't the mushroom. It was what it was stuck. I know. Well, Francesca and Roger had had an affair. So oh, nice. Roger came to Paris on a regular basis, so he knew Francesca from meeting somewhere along the way. And they had kind of broken up. Roger was unhappy that Francesca had other boyfriends. Well, he's got a wife, but... He didn't like her having any other relationship, so they kind of broke it off. And so she, when she knew that Roger was in town, she wanted to kind of impress him. So she brought the mushrooms to the party, Mm. hoping she'd run into Roger. And that's how, that's where she entered the story with Roger. You know, you can't worry about impressing someone. If they don't, you know, appreciate you, who cares? That's what my mother Mm -hmm. told me. What can I say? So what happened to yes. Roger, and and where did, and how does Julia get involved in it? And this was strange. And what did they think was wrong with him? 
Well, if you were there, well, you would have figured Roger, it out, but so what? <laughs> well, Roger and Josh had adjoining rooms in the hotel. It was just convenient. They could, you know, go mm-hmm. back and forth between the bathrooms. They really each other own bathroom, but the suites were next to each other. So when Josh invited Julia and Carly up to see his fabulous room with this beautiful view of Paris, mm. um, and Julia has to use the bathroom, or one of them has to use the bathroom, and they can't get the door open, thinking, what's going on? So they finally budge the door with Josh's help, and they find Roger mm. in the bathroom on the floor. And thinking, Why is Roger in here, and what's happened to Roger? And because Julie is a doctor and people collapse, I mean, I do react this way in real life. Somebody collapses. I mean, I'm out of my chair in a second going to help this person. So it's like, what has happened? What is it? Is it diabetes? What's gone on? So that, she goes into doctor mode immediately. And then it's, why is he here? And then they're trying to figure out, why is he in your bathroom? He's got his own bathroom. What's he doing in here? And that's the part that they have to figure out. That's that's strange. So what happens in the hospital with the doctors? And tell us about his wife. Mm. <laughs> well, initially, you know, there Roger appears to be stable. He appears to be getting better. Yeah. And the doctors really don't know what's wrong with him. Um, they can't find any actual medical evidence. But somewhere along the way, he has he starts seizing, and he's telling Julia mushroom and she suggests to the doctors about that time then he collapses and he has a seizure he turns red and he eventually dies within a little bit and Julia suggests that they look as, at mushrooms as a possibility and so they examine his stomach contents and that's mm. when they discover that he's got a poisonous mushroom in his system and What again, about Elaine? What if she life, think was odd about him there's something strange about him, she thought. Let's see. What was my thinking on that part? His color was wrong when they found him on the floor. Um, yeah. And his pulse was racing. And these were not typical findings for, let's say, someone who collapsed because of a blood pressure issue. Mm. So she just... So her brain goes into what things can cause this combination of findings, what causes a rapid pulse. And then his blood pressure went sky high. And these are signs of something called anticholinergic syndrome, which Mm. in real life, you don't see it very often, but I have seen it a couple of times in real life. And it occurs with certain types of medications. And in this case, the combination of in medicine, he was taking, he used some Benadryl because he has allergies. He's allergies and carries it with him. And then the poison in the mushrooms aggravated that, and that created that finding of the rapid pulse, the red color, and the high blood pressure all together. And his skin was dry, and that just doesn't normally happen. That's scary. That's why I won't eat mushrooms. No, seriously, I, I don't. I, I don't. Uh, I know mushrooms could be bad. I know that they know they could be bad too, and the onions could be bad too because they keep recalling those things. So I just don't eat too much of anything. So why does she decide to investigate what happened to Roger? Of course, they're not happy that she's doing it, but we don't really care. 
Well, she's a doctor, and just yeah, that's why they can't say anything. Yeah, yeah, you just uh, just have to figure out what happened, what really happened, and then when the police think that maybe Josh had something to do with it, then it's like, oh my gosh, we have to find out what really happened because she doesn't want mm. Josh to be in jail, to be wearing the orange jumpsuit or whatever color they wear in French jails. But it's just her curiosity. And, and, and as a doctor, my brain always goes that way. If one of my patients had a reaction mm. or something happened to them, I think, what happened? Did I, I always think, did I do something? Did I mm-hmm. discover medication? Was it this? Was it that? So it's her natural tendency to try to figure out what's wrong. You know, I guess me is that you, that you you take credit for whatever or not credit. Whereas I've been dealing with whatever, and they just say, well, keep taking something. It'll make you feel better soon. I found that a lot of this has declined since this monster has come out. So at least you, you know, you're someone that actually takes, you know, care of their patients. Most most doctors lately just say, you know, take that and don't worry about it, and call me in about five years from now when you feel better. And I'm serious. <laughs> so tell us about the French police and why does the um, inspector offer Julia certain courtesies? Is it because she's a doctor, or because maybe she's smarter than him? Who knows? Well, um, I just decided that the police would be willing to listen to a professional, especially if, mm-hmm. if she presents herself in a professional way, and they can't exactly figure it out. And so they're willing to listen to her, and um, that's, just, that's just a courtesy. I mean, in my own town, same thing. I've worked with the police on some things. And mm-hmm. I just find that it's a professional relationship. Oh, yeah, yeah, my phone. <laughs> my phone fell out of my hand. Um, so who is Vincent, and what did he have to do with this whole thing? Well, Vincent, he's a chauffeur. He is Josh's personal chauffeur while he's mm. on business in Washington, D.C. So he becomes um, enamored with Julia and Carly, and he cares about his temporary boss. So mm-hmm. he just wants to be in on the action. And Josh has given Carly and Julia full access to his limousine and to Vincent while they're there mm. because they were inconvenienced um, by the way that the hotel got set up. Well, I'm not going to tell you what I think about Josh right now, but we'll see. What happens to Francesca <laughs> and why was she worried? Why was Julia worried about her and find out where she lived? So that gets her well, more involved in solving the case. Yes. Well, Francesca, um, Julia wondered where the, the mushrooms came from. And when she talked with the maid at the hotel, she discovered mm. that some mushrooms had been delivered to Roger. So she thought, well, where did they come from? And she and Carly go down and talk to the main restaurant person down the stairs, and he says, well, and they said something about, well, Francesca brought these mushrooms, and he goes, there's no Francesca here, and there's, there's nothing on this order sheet about mushrooms, or where, what about these mushrooms? Mm. So they decided to talk to Francesca directly. So they call the court on blue and, and go over there and find out that Francesca's not there and she's not working there any longer for whatever reason. Mm. And they want to get a hold of her, but they won't give her, as should be, they won't give her her personal phone number. But Francesca had become a little chummy with Kate and Becca, the other two Americans in the class. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
they're able to track down them because they start thinking about, now, what restaurant did they work at? And that's where they go through this. Uh, oh, it was something to do with was Jaws or Sharks or something. So, oh, Drunken Sharks. So they call the restaurant in Cape Cod to get a phone number for Becca or Kate, who they think maybe has Francesca's phone number. Who's just a roundabout way to track her down? And so they wanted wow. to talk to Francesca about the mushrooms. And then yeah. when they do finally finally find that Francesca, they actually go to her house. They call her work. She's not scheduled to work till the next day. They call her home. There's no answer. And they're doing a little tour in her neighborhood, well, close to her neighborhood. So then they go down to her house, and that's when they find her. And their mm. first thought is, you know, what's happened to Francesca? That's sad. And that's how so, that gets involved. Now, Josh seems to be hiding something because for some reason yeah. he's always not there. And so what are the deals in question and why he's considered a suspect in what happened to Roger? Because he seems to be guilty of a lot of something. Well, he does seem to be a little evasive, and Julia's yeah. quite aware of that. The if these if Roger and Josh can pull this deal together, it's going to be a big bonus involved, and I mean, that isn't obvious in the first part, but it does become something that we know about later. And mm. the police then wonder, well, if Roger's gone, maybe Josh gets to have the whole bonus. So they start to think maybe he's got a financial interest in that. And he explains, well, of course, no, that's not true. I'm not going to get the bonus personally. No, no, no. He's never do that to Roger. So, so why does Julia decide to help him out? Why does she clear his name? I don't know if I would do that. Um, goodness of her heart, just holding on to the belief that he is innocent until proven guilty, um, just basic trust in humans, that kind of thing. Just that basic, well, is he really guilty? I don't know. I'm going to assume that he's innocent until I know otherwise. Mm. And then she just keeps pushing until she gets down to the bottom of it. And if he is eventually guilty, of course, she's going to date out the consequences. But if he's not guilty, she wants to prove that he's not guilty. She's still a little suspicious that he might be, but until she really knows the truth, she's going to keep looking. Well, you know what? She's a good friend, and that's what I'll say about that. Oh. But she's like she's like me. If I want to know something, I'm going to drive you crazy till I get it. And I don't care who it is and how oh. I have to do to find out the answer. It's my father taught me that. He always told me, if you want to know something, find out yourself, because no one's going to do anything for you except you. That's the only way to find mm-hmm. out. So, so Julia's mm-hmm. right. So why do we get the impression that everyone is not exactly what they appear to be? That's what the mystery is. Well, it, it is a mystery. And you have to leave little pieces of doubt all along the way. Because mm-hmm. when I write, I actually don't know who the bad guy is until I get close to the end. So I just have mm-hmm. to put little nuggets here and a little clue there and a false bunny trail there. Because I am not 100% certain who my bad person is going to be. So everybody has to have a little bit of something going on that they could be the bad person. Well, who is Simone and why does she bond with Carly? I like Carly. Well, Simone is, (laughs) I like her 
really do. Carly is just kind of a free spirit kind of person. And yeah. my little sister really is that person. So Carly is at the hospital waiting in the waiting room all by herself. And Simone is, happens to be there um, and she sees her and, and she offers her coffee. Well, Simone is an artist who teaches, well, who does art therapy with the children. Her husband happens to work at the hospital. So she volunteers. She's in the lab. So she volunteers from time to time. Uh, just because her husband's there anyway, so it gives her an opportunity to spend time with him. And so she just sees this pretty person, cute person with a bubbly personality sitting there, and they just start talking, and they just click. You know how you just click with some people and other people you can do Uh without? It's just one of those things. And they're both little flamboyant, both a little artsy, and they they just bond with each other. So what does Carly think about this vacation? What does she think about what's happening? Does she have an opi- she must have an opinion. It's like, uh, this is not exactly the vacation that I signed up for. Yeah. Uh, but it's an adventure. She kind of wanted an adventure. It just wasn't exactly the adventure that she had planned. But she also has that. My, we happen to be full-blooded Finns. My parents are Finnish. I'm a second-generation American, and my grandparents, three of the four, were born in Finland. And there's a a word that the Finnish people use called sisu, S-I-S-U, that means determination and, and uh, mm-hmm. strength and uh, um, uh, just all those sorts of things that you think of as somebody who's very stubborn and strong. And she's got that, mm-hmm. too. So she's willing to work with Julia um, because of that that sense, that, that sisu, that strength. Now, but what gives really me is that more of it. Shwaja had all mm-hmm. these medications and interactions. So why didn't the pharmacist say something, and why don't people ask that question? I do. I mean, if you're giving me something different or something, you know, I don't want to know about or something I'm taking a long time, how does it interact with something? You want to know because you can go on Google. Well, that doesn't mean anything. And I find that sometimes the pharmacist knows a lot. So why didn't they ask? Mm-hmm. Why didn't he ask the pharmacist? Why didn't the pharmacist say, maybe you shouldn't give him Benadryl, maybe you shouldn't give him that? How come? Well, he just took a well, because, you know, they said so. That's weird. Well, part of it is Roger's a guy. And yeah. part, the other part of it is that Benadryl is an over-the-counter medication, and many, yeah. many people do not consider the over-the-counter medications as being like real medicine and don't think yeah, about the interactions. So the pharmacist doesn't may not even know that Roger's mm. taking Benadryl mm-hmm. when he fills a prescription and maybe mm. he was warned but, but it went right over his head because he was in a hurry and yeah, yeah, yeah. And doesn't think about it. But again, Benadryl is an everyday medication. We use it almost without thinking about it. And it's also another medication. It's in Tylenol PM for example. Benadryl is the PM part of it in Tylenol PM. So he just doesn't think about it. It's just um, no, he doesn't think about it, truly. That's scary. And, I don't, you know, doctors yeah. don't even, they ask a whole bunch of questions, but sometimes I don't think they hear the answers. That's what gets me. So what causes what happened to Francesca, and why do they think she tried to kill herself? Francesca, you wouldn't do that, would you? I mean, really. Oh, no, she would not do that. Well, uh, Kate... Um, actually has kind of become enamored with Roger now. And 
and sorry, with Pierre, and she has planted this, the briefcase, Roger's briefcase. Mm-hmm. She's remember got stolen from his room. She's planted the briefcase there, and she has written letters that supposedly are from Francesca to, to Roger, and Francesca then presumably is brokenhearted because Roger has, has ended their relationship, so she's trying to kill herself. And in reality, mm-hmm. she's been poisoned as well, but in a different way. And so I had to, I wanted to write it in. At first, I was going to have Francesca die. And I thought, well, that's too death. I don't want to do that. So I wanted to have Francesca then be able to tell what the rest of the story. Otherwise, who is going to tell the story? So that's why Francesca um, is just very, very sick. And Julia, again, recognizes that she's got some symptoms that don't make any sense. And they find out then that she has digitalis poisoning which they were, she was, uh, Kate was able to buy at the little crystal shop. You can buy all mm. kinds of things in, in shops if you know what you're looking for. And so she just makes these mushrooms. She's impressing Francesca with her own creation of the mushrooms. And, of course, their Francesca mm. has to eat them. And she doesn't know about Roger having died from mushroom poisoning, which were actually not, it wasn't the mushroom, it was what was put in the mushroom. So that's scary. How she gets involved. It so what if she becomes suspicious about his partners? And what is the significance of the briefcase? Aha. Well, um, when they're looking in Roger's room, they just somehow, um, Josh says, well, where is Roger's briefcase? And they, they can't find his cell phone. And so they start to look at the briefcase, and nobody has seen a briefcase. And then they kind of say, well, maybe he didn't have one. And Roger says, or Josh says, well, no, no, no. He has his old beat-up leather briefcase. I know it was there. But now where is it? And that's why when they find it at Francesca's house, they wonder, well, how did Francesca get it? And then they have to figure out how did it get to Francesca's house. So uh-huh. what was in the briefcase? He didn't know for sure, but they just Needed to, they wanted to find it to see maybe his cell phone was in there. What was in the briefcase? Why was it stolen? And I'm not going to tell on the phone because then people might know the answer. Well, they can't know the answer. We can't tell them. So no, we can't. Do, why did they? Why would they think that Julia was a threat? So why did they kidnap her? How did you create what happens? And I said, oh, my God, poor Julie, you can't call off the main character, people. You just don't do that. Although there's a, there's an author that did that. He killed off a, a secondary main character. And when I interview him in March, I'm going to find out why, because I was very upset. Ah. Well, yes. Pierre has thinks Julia might be getting too close to the truth, because she just won't stop asking questions. And she's just always everywhere. So he decides to has to get rid of Julia because he does mm-hmm. not want to be um, her snooping around and actually getting down to the real answer. So that's how come he decides he's going to get rid of her. And also make Josh angry as well. I think Josh should look more suspicious if Julia disappears. Mm. So Josh's partner disappears. Josh's girlfriend disappears. Hmm. Josh looks really suspicious now, doesn't he? So how did you create Detective Durant? How come he liked her or helped her, the French detective? 
Pardon? I didn't understand the first part of that. I didn't it catch the first part of the question. It says Durand, detective. Oh, yes, yes. What about him? Yeah. No, just Why the detective. Who, who is the detect? Who's the detective that was allowed that was allowed her to you know find out things? Oh, Officer Durant. Well, yeah, Officer again, Durant. Yeah, um, Officer Durant. I like him. He's yeah. Well, he's um. He just believes that she knows what she's talking about. He doesn't see that she has anything to hide. Um, mm. Julia is very open, and he just trusts her and is willing to be open with her as well. You know, it's, I, I find in my real life that people tend to be the same to the other person as they are to them. And so she's open. She's asking the right questions. She's asking him to consider this. He's willing to mm. do that. And so he's willing to have these conversations. Because he wants to find the truth too, and he wants to know have something that makes sense. What is the right answer? Well, sometimes you know it's funny. You could ask witnesses the same question in different, and get different answers, and then they ask them the same person again the same question to see if they get the right answer, the same answer. It's amazing. So you told you, this yeah. in a t- in a timeline. How did you decide to create this in, the, in hours and days? A lot of authors are doing it, but this one I was able to follow. Well, she's only there for the you know, eight or nine days, so it has to occur in that time span. Mm-hmm. And I need to let her have a little bit of vacation because that's why she's there. I need to have things happen in a timeline that would make sense, that would give her time to figure this out. Um, and I find I'm working my the novel I'm writing right now is also on a timeline because she's on vacation for 10 days. So things have to happen in that period of time. You know, like in television, um, when you're watching NCIS or CSI, everything happens in 24 hours. In real life, it doesn't happen that way. And I'm always impressed that they can figure out the answer in one hour. But my books take 10 days. Before I forget, it's in front of me. Monday? We have the author of Dreamstalker, Nancy Gardner. And the 16th, we have the author of Cliff Diver. And on the 20th, what better way to end December than with New York Times author Deb Pines, A Plague Among Us. Hmm. Oh, my god! On the 4th of I'm, January. Yes, yeah, she's great. That book is great. She's great, too. We're going to talk about... Um, Winter Blues with psychotherapist Dennis Palumbo on the 4th. And on the 5th, so far so good, at 12 p.m., a new time, chain of command, Mark Cameron. I'm excited. And on the 6th, Michael Emery. And on the 10th, this gets gets me like I had a reading master's. My second master's is reading. And the professor that taught me how to understand what I read and has given me a lot of lessons, Dr. Cavuto is coming back on for the second time on January 10th, and we're going to talk about how to assess children properly through problem solving. And I am so excited because it's a really important show because classroom teachers have no clue. They really are not trained 
to understand miscues and phonics and all the correct way to test a child. So he said my talking points were fantastic, so that made me feel good. <laughs> and his dissertation was interesting. So January 10th at 10, Dr. Cavuto will come on. Parents need to listen. So how did you create, without giving it away, the final scenes in this story? Because, you, you know, it's like heart-stopping people. Well, I had to create something where she was really in danger. Mm. I had to um, figure out a realistic way that she could be found. Mm. And you know, it, it, I don't want to say anything about no. the actual way that, that she was found but it had to do with something I actually had experienced. And I thought, oh, how can I work this into a book? Um, so a lot of things that, that are in my stories are real things that I have that have happened to me, and I put them in the back of my head. And, okay, how can you make this work in a book? So I just draw back on experiences, put it in a story, some of it's still, some of that's really true. Some of it is not true. There's a little kernel of truth in there that I just expand upon. You know, that's what's funny about writing fiction. You just get to make up stories, and you, mm. and it's and you're not getting in trouble for it. When I was a kid, I told me the story. I got in trouble for it. But you know, as a grown up <laughs> writing fiction, you don't get in trouble for it anymore. Well, I didn't get in trouble for what I wrote, but my first book is about, my sister made me write, my uh, my name is Bertha, I'm Bertha, and she's Tilly. My grandmother was a sour person, and my sister said I was a sour puss, and my Aunt Tilly was spoiled, so I, we wrote, I wrote about two things that happened growing up in the Bronx, and I wrote about my dancing lessons that I hated, and a whole bunch of stuff, so you, they said to write what you know about, and um, what could I say? It's 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 hard, you know. Sometimes writing about stuff that really happens is great, and of course, it's, you did it, so you can't get in trouble. Except, I used to not want to do dancing lessons, and my mother said I had no choice, and I said, I promise to get all A's next week if you don't make me go. Didn't matter. Didn't care. <laughs> she said I was overweight as a kid, and I was I'm not uh-huh. overweight anymore. I weigh like a hundred and something pounds, not even. And she said, I was, she said, it was good exercise. I hated every minute of it. I, I couldn't take tap. And ballet, I, my feet were like two left feet. So I played the piano and the the piano teacher, the piano person, the sister, these are famous people, the Ocaro sisters. And Rose used to let me play the piano for the for the, the recital sometimes, or to practice. So I said, in that case, I'll practice that and I won't dance. That was great, which is much better. So... At the end of the story, you have, like, a surprise ending. And what is Julia's reaction to the surprise ending? And I was not happy. Well, it, it helps I'm not her understand. Though. Well, it helped her understand why Josh had seemed so aloof during the whole week. Yeah. And so, like, ah, that makes sense. Okay. But it was still like, well, why did you go through with this? And so he explains why. So she was really disappointed and yeah. crushed, really crushed. Well, well you know, I know that that, that happens, and, and that's so sad. But in real life, what would she? Have, what what would somebody in real life have done if somebody did that? It wouldn't have been that nice, I don't think. 
<laughs> no, no. Well, the first ending I wrote to the story, my editor says, no, 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 you can't do that. So, well, I, so I had to change the ending, um, and I did change the ending then so that it was a softer ending and left an open open ending rather than the yeah. one that I had written. So well, are you going to bring him that as well? Is he going to bring him back in the next one? Or her, why are you going to bring well, her back? Actually, not in the next book. I just released the next book called One Will Too Many. And this one oh, is nice. set in her hometown. Pope, you know, pandemic, you know. Yeah. And um, so he's not directly in the story, but he there's references to him in the story. Um, I don't and I know. just got this fantastic review from Matt Peachy on uh, One Will Too Many, and the you know he sent an ARC out and got some book reviews, and I mean I'm just beyond excited, and it's it's actually released today on Readsy Discovery, so you know Josh is there, but he's not there. Well, all I could tell you is that my review of this book is on Just Reviews. I posted it early this morning so I wouldn't forget, and they wouldn't tell me you forgot to post the review. And I will probably post it on Amazon later with 97 stars, people. Um, oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm, oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on tour with Isabella Blackthorn for my book, Population Zero, and I'll tell you something. I'm getting interesting reviews. Not things that I really want to read. Some people got what I wrote, and some people didn't understand. So I never write a negative review, to be very honest. And if I read a person's book, even if I say I'm going to interview them, if I don't think the book is at least four and a half, five stars, I'll cancel the interview. Because I I don't want to say something nasty, and I will never blindside anyone. Because somebody worked really hard to put the book together, and it's not right. I just won't do it. And I get criticized a lot for that, but I I won't because I know how it feels. And I got two people that reviewed uh, Population Zero, and they both gave me decent reviews, but the book is 76 pages, so I'm getting penalized by one star because it's a short book. So what? It's Population (laughs) Zero, World Without People. Well, there's no population. I created a world that you would... Yeah, it's a world of... Uh, no light, no sun, darkness. It's a, it's nine. It's worlds that you wouldn't want to live in. And I invited a dead person to come back and experience it, so that maybe people would appreciate the one we're in and stop acting like fools. Well, well, I'm going to have to read that book. It's 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 different. And the next one, <laughs> I have to. I have a title. I've started it, and I have to actually sit down and write it. But then I feel guilty if I don't do the books for reviews first. So I've got a few coming up, and I do have a title. And then for the next one, I'm going to bring back my Faces Behind the Stone series. It's going to be called The Last Grave, Silent Voices. We will no, we will no longer be we will no longer be silent. And it's going well, to that's be a long um, title. Yeah, it's, well, I'm going to you know shorten it here and there, but basically it's about. Um, this man that is responsible for taking the lives of nine people, and if he doesn't find the la- somebody for the last grave, he might wind up in it. I haven't decided. Uh-huh. I, I'm, I'm like getting oh. whatever. Yeah. But isn't it fun so, to make up stuff? I mean, if you got what's going to happen. Well, I know when I'm writing, I write stuff yeah. that I don't have a plan 
for something to happen. And then they just, my fingers just write something in it. Now, where did that come from? And I don't really know where it came from, but all of a sudden it's there. But, well, okay then. So I write that into the book. That, that, that's the great part. My problem is is that when I had this book published, I had it published by independent publisher, I won't say who, and they corrected, they said my grammar was fine. I had very few grammar errors or spelling or anything. But when it came to content, I asked them to help me to make things stronger. And all they did was say, well, maybe you should take that paragraph out and put this one in. They didn't help me to do anything. So that was, like, really not, not very helpful at all. The content editor, the copy editor really didn't do very much of anything. And I'm saying I'm trying to say what's weak, what should I change, and they just said it's fine. And then they did not do anything to promote it. They said if I want the book promoted, I had to pay them $4,000 to have them put a, a package. I said for that, I can pay. The, actually, there's someone on Facebook that does a great job for me every day. Um, Owl Publishing is Owl and Pussycat. It's Karen Vaughn and a whole bunch of people. Mm-hmm. And for $110 for the year, they they promote my book every day. And wow. And fine with me. Yeah, and it, I'm getting a lot of reviews. What bothers me, I don't know if you have the problem, but I have a lot of, there are a lot of trolls out there. And some people are I just, yeah, they they are giving me reviews for my book, but they're not reading it. And that's what bothers me even more. Because every day I get more and more and more. And I'm saying, like, these people didn't even read the book. Yeah, now I have 23 ratings. Yesterday I had 19. And I guarantee that there are people that are, I'm not even going to look at it because I don't care. Uh, didn't even read the book and say anything. So, how do you say? How, if Julia could tell talk and tell about her vacation, what would she say? Would did she have a good time? What would Carly say? Oh my goodness, she would say that she had a a good vacation. That she learned some things. That she saw some wonderful places, um, and they had a happy ending. And Carly would say. Huh. Uh, can we not have quite so much excitement on the next vacation? <laughs> I'm not sure I'm going to go travel with you again. Do you can think she would go with her? Oh, well, she will. She would go, but she might just say, well, I'm not so sure I'll go with you again. But she will because she loves her sister and their opportunities. And you know, just because you have a funny thing, a, a, a Unexpected things happen on one vacation doesn't mean they'll happen on the next vacation. Mm. That that is scary. That her husband doesn't come with her ever, though. So is Julia going to meet somebody else by any chance? Well, um, we might have to read the next book and find out about that. Okay, wait a second. That's the question I was going to ask. When is it coming out? Are you doing another tour with Partners in Crime? Well, you know what? I was just talking with um, Wendy about that, uh, and I am. I, I am going to do that. The book is actually published one week ago, and it's one called "One Will Too Many." And there's, of course, a double play on the word, on the word "will." Mm-hmm. And it's it's another fun book. Julia's back home in her hometown, practicing medicine, and. Again, stumbles onto somebody dies unexpectedly, and he ends up helping the local police because that's what she does. Well, I'm surprised that. Um, on the scene. When is this tour coming out? Do you know? Did they give you a date? 
Um, no, no, we haven't set it up yet. Okay, because she has to tell me because I'm booked until the end of March, and I have a few well, more dates left in April. I have a whole bunch okay, of dates not left in April. Then we'll do it in April. Then we'll just plan to do it in April. Well, you got a date. She has to tell me so I could so I could put it in my schedule. You could tell me when you're available, and I can put it in my schedule because I just did that with Charles Salzberg yesterday, and a few other people that were on my um, panel show yesterday. Because you just never know. I, I, I'm impressed. I'm, I, I was talking to myself yesterday. What do I have? One on the 4th, one on the 12th, that's Kerry Priesta, and Charles Salzburg on the 19th. And on the 26th, this was, this was mind-boggling yesterday. I could not believe it. Uh, the publicist for Jane Ann Crant said that she wants an interview with me in April, and she's going to do one on April 26th for her new book. And that oh is like, that's your, that's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. She said she must have read my reviews or listened to the something, and she wants an interview on my radio show. And I go, how could I turn down Janie and Krantz? You can't. Amanda Quick. I was like, oh, oh my God, that is, that that is unbelievable. Well, well, one of my friends, when I said that I was going to be doing this interview with you, said, he said, Fran Lewis, she is the queen of the radio blog shows. Like, oh, that's wow. nice because I, I, you know, you don't know. I decided to do this like my sister made me do it. And the very first time I was I was interviewed, I was petrified because I was told that I had to read the first chapter of My Name Is Bertha, and I made up the stuff. I just it was long. I wasn't going to read you know, twenty pages or whatever, so I created my own version of it. And the lady that was April Robin was her station, Red River uh, Writers, and she said, uh-huh. okay, I want you to come on again. So I came on again, and I was like, they, they mute you. You know, like they give you 10 minutes and they mute you for the rest of the show. After that, she offered me an hour on her network. But the only problem was is oh that I God. had somebody that was, you know, logging in and whatever, and I had a co-host, and I didn't like that. And then she said to me, why don't I ask like five authors to ask questions about the the book and the guests? I said, I didn't like that either after a while. So I decided not to do that anymore, and I went on, uh, on a different network. And I, I just had my own show that I was paying for, and then I decided that I wanted to do this all by myself on MJ Network. Because this way, the the authors have full hour. I'm asking questions, and the one thing I learned a long time ago is do not have a chat room. And do not do not have. I had a few people in the chat room about two years ago, three years ago. They didn't like the topic of the book, and they were nasty, so I, I bumped them off. And uh, that, that was the last. So I, I make the show private, and then after I'm done, I make it public so everybody can re- listen to it. Because this is fun. Let me tell you, I, I enjoy doing this, and this is this is great. So, um, do you have any other series besides this one? No, but I'm toying with the idea of doing something for younger people. I just have oh, this, nice. this, this, this thought will not go away about having somebody who time travels back or forward. Mm-hmm. My, my child told me years ago that just because nobody has figured out time travel doesn't mean it isn't possible. So I should have this in my brain. So I think I'm just going to have to try something and see what happens. 
Well, that's good because I read a few like that. There was one star passage I just read and a few others that are time travel. Um, I read a few that adults thought they were time travel, and I wish they would have stayed traveled somewhere else. They're not great. But, yeah, the the ones for teenagers, yeah, for little kids are great, are great yeah. And I, I could tell you a whole bunch of teens, next, the little boys next door would love it. Uh, Toby Williams' book, uh, Hidden Shoes, I gave it to Ashton, and he loves me forever. And I gave his brother, oh. Cindy McDonald is sending some of her books for my, for my boys next door. I, I like to keep everybody reading. But this is great. Uh-huh. So where can everybody find out more about your work and you? Well, I'm on Goodreads. Um, my web page is not very pretty right now, but I've got somebody working on it. It's www.pjpetersonauthor.com. Mm. Probably those are the best places. Um, I have a Facebook page, but again, you can't really put a whole lot on Facebook page that really tells anybody about you. I I don't put too much out on page, Facebook. I just put my my reviews and my shows. That's it. And yes, I don't yes. if you know, I don't, I don't put anything personal ever on Facebook ever. No. And when mm-hmm. if somebody asks me a question, I just say, "Hope you're doing okay." I don't say anything about anything. It just uh-huh. works better. But this has been yes. fun. Uh, please send me some heat because it's like what is it now? Um, hmm. 32, oh, well, 34. It's a, oh, it's a heat wave. Oh, well, we're, we're warmer than you. We're going. We're getting up to 50 today, and it's dry. And we're in Washington oh, see, State, I, and it's dry. 50 degrees, and I would not wear a jacket. Would be bad. But 34, I think I better wear the winter coat. But thank so. you so much. Do you do panel shows well, by any chance? Um, I haven't, but I'm certainly open to the possibilities. Yeah, I want to see if I'm debating about doing one in March for women's history. But I don't want to talk about women in history. I want to talk about uh, female writers and why they became writers and how what what kind of a difference they make in the publishing industry. I thought about that. That's that's my idea mm-hmm. for March. So I have to let everybody know. Like great, but thank like you so idea. much. This and has been fun. Thank you so much. And everybody, you, it's beautiful outside. This. Have a great day. Stay safe, everyone, and bye. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.